There are certain words that are key words, certain words that are buzzwords. There are some words that you don't say in certain places. If you're getting ready to board a plane, no matter what you're describing, you don't use the word bomb. Even if you're talking about a, a, a bomb of something that tastes wonderful or a, a, a snowstorm that seems like it's dropping a bomb, you just don't do that in that place. That's a key word to avoid. I've said for years that dentists and surgeons should not be allowed to ever use the word oops. <laughs> or maybe they also shouldn't use the word or the phrase, I've never seen that before. <laughs> They're just certain words, and there are magic words that we say to children, you know, use the magic word, you know, please, thank you. Well, this morning we have a key word or words. If you have your Bibles or your Bible on your devices in the New Testament, we're looking at Matthew chapter 28, the end of that chapter, better known as the Great Commission. And we're going to focus most of our time out of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 26. Now, many people say that that passage in Corinthians is the first time in Scripture that it was really given a description of what is known as the Lord's Supper, what we call sharing communion together. Now, we're not doing communion this morning. Don't get confused. But this week, as we focused on ignite, that thing, that word to ignite our own hearts, and minds to what God wants from us and through us and in us. There were some key words each night. And this morning we're focusing on these two key words. The word deliver or the phrase pass it on. Now why does that matter? What difference would that be? And how in the world does that relate to what is taking place in these two scriptures. See, to deliver the good news, which is what is being referred to in both Matthew 28 and 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it means to be sure that the message is available to everyone. To deliver it or to pass it on. The last night of our services this week, we were challenged to get a rope, a piece of a long rope if you weren't here. And part of it was to remind us to be that symbol of holding out the rope and holding for someone who can't do it on their own, who yet doesn't know Christ as their personal Savior. And it came out of Mark chapter 2 where the four friends um, lowered their buddy through the roof, and that's a wonderful thing. If you haven't uh, tuned into that service, go back to our website. We've got them there, and uh, you can listen to any of those services from this past week. But you see, to be available, to make sure that the message of the gospel is available, it only happens if we pass it on. 
It doesn't just happen automatically. It doesn't just happen if the only time we ever share it is when we're inside this building. It only happens if we live it out. It only happens if we pass it on. It only happens if we deliver it ourselves to people who haven't yet heard or people that haven't yet accepted. For you see, we are commissioned to be the people of good news. That's an awesome commission. To be commissioned and called to be the people of good news news. Now, I want you to think through this. We're called and commissioned, according to Matthew 28, to bring hope to the hurting and salvation to the lost. To bring hope to people who are hurting. Do you know anybody who's hurting? To deliver a message of hope to them. And to bring salvation, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, to those who are lost without Christ. It's the whole theme of Easter. Salvation for those who are lost that Christ provided. For you see, before Jesus came, and if you read in the Old Testament, what we discover is that they had a series of laws and traditions and regulations that they went through for forgiveness. It involved a lot of sacrifice of animals. It involved offerings and on and on the list goes. But you see, those were only temporary fixes. But when Jesus came, he died on the cross in our place. But the best news is he rose again. For you see, for those of us who have hope in Jesus Christ, there are a couple of empty spots that we celebrate. We don't celebrate too many empty things, but this we celebrate, that the cross is empty and so is the tomb. That's really good news. <laughs> For we serve a God who's not dead, but is alive. We serve a God who didn't passively sit back and hope that we would follow what he had asked. Instead, he gave his best, his son, Jesus Christ, who gave his life for us, took our place on the cross. But he didn't stay buried. He rose to life, and it's what we celebrate on Easter. It's why it's so critical. It's why it's so important that we invite people to hear the good news. Now, let me make sure you understand. You don't have to wait until Easter for them to hear the good news. You could just tell it to them. <gasps> no, yes. I don't know how. Sure you do. Just tell your story. For that's the story of the good news. If you've accepted Christ. If you haven't, why not? Do it today, right now. That'd be a good way to continue this service. But we've been called as people of good news, as people of hope, to deliver or pass on this good news. If you have your Bibles or your Bible on your devices, turn with me in Matthew 28. Um, to start with, 
This is what we often call the Great Commission as Jesus is giving some of his last words to his disciples. In fact, I on your sermon outline and up here it says, beginning at verse 18, well, I changed my mind. We're going to start at verse 16. I have that privilege, plus I have the mic. Matthew 28, beginning of verse 16, it says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Time out. If you've ever had doubt, you're in good company because some of the disciples doubted. You don't have to be afraid of the doubt. Just don't stay there. Don't live there. There are answers. It is good news. God's not afraid of your doubts or your questions. Bring them to him. In verse 18, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Go, therefore. The best translation would be as you go. Because it means wherever you go, whenever you go. Not just at scheduled services, not just at Easter or Christmas, but whenever you're about, wherever you're living, to go as you go and make disciples of all nations. It is an awesome realization of what we have been called to. And I want you to make sure you notice also there in verse 17 that it says the disciples, when they saw Jesus, when they encountered Jesus, when Jesus was present, they worshipped him. Now, make sure you're putting all the pieces together. Jesus is always with us. Realize that? So if we're following scripture, that means we should always be worshiping. Say, you mean we're supposed to quit our jobs and come here every day? No. It means that at work we worship. Now, don't, don't stop working and tell your boss, Pastor told me I'm supposed to be here and worship and not work. No. As you work, you worship. For you see, your work is also worship if you follow Christ. Have you ever thought about where you work as part of your worship? For you've been called at work to be a minister of good news. You've been called where you work and in your neighborhood and in your family to be a minister of hope. Now, I realize for some of you, you just went into a panic attack because you're going, no, I, I, yes, you can. It just means live it out. Pass it on. Deliver it to others. We'll get into some of the how in just a moment. 
but recognize that call. Recognize the commission that you've been given that every one of us has been given. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning at verse 23, it says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered or passed on to you. That the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. For what I received, I also deliver or pass on to you. For you see, for us to pass on or deliver the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, delivering hope to the hurting, salvation to the lost, that's what we've been called to do. And by the way, that ought to fire you up. That ought to get you excited that you've been called to that. That that's your commission in life. Now, to pass it on, though, you must, number one, have received it yourself. Notice in verse 23 that Paul, in writing to the church in Corinth, said, What I received, or for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. I've received this, I'm now passing it on. In other words, you need personal experience to pass it on. You cannot pass on what is not yours. Now, to pass on something that's not yours is called theft. (laughs) It's actually known as fraud. You're presenting it as if it's yours, but it's not. So to pass it on means you must have received it yourself. First, your own experience in Christ. We all have different backgrounds I'm blessed in the fact that my parents, strong followers of Christ, both sets of grandparents were strong followers of Christ. My aunts and uncles on both sides. My uncle was not a follower of Christ until he was on the one side, until he was 78 years old. He came to faith in Christ at age 78 and served the Lord like you wouldn't believe until he died in his early 90s. I had the privilege that one of the churches I pastored, he ended up living up near us for a while after my aunt died. And he had another church he went to on Sunday morning. And whenever we had stuff on Sunday night, he showed up. And I got blessed every time I saw him because Uncle Max, when I was growing up, never went to church. Didn't want anything to do with it, even though he had been raised in it. My mom, till the day she died, prayed for her brother every day for his salvation. I remember at Uncle Max's funeral, 
one of his boys um, saying to me, he said, how surprised do you think your mom's going to be when she turns a corner in heaven and there's... (laughs) I said, I have a feeling she already knows. We've been called to do this, but it takes a personal experience. Until that time in his life, he couldn't be a representative for Christ because he had no personal experience. So the question this morning is, do you have your own experience? I had to have my own. I couldn't depend on my grandparents, actually even my great-grandparents or my parents. It had to be mine. My kids couldn't depend on Jody and I's faith, they had to have their own. Do you have your own experience? To pass it on, we need to have personal experience. And to pass it on, you must sacrifice your personal preference. Now make sure you understand the difference. You need a personal experience with Christ. You don't give that up. But you must give up your personal preferences. Now, we get asked and we're confronted all the time with how would you like things? I'm old enough to remember when Burger King's famous slogan was, have it your way. Very good. What did that mean? That meant instead of the assembly line, you could say not this, but this. And you got it. Sort of fresh. (laughs) I don't want to lie, so I'll say sort of. But you got it the way you wanted it. That's how it is in most restaurants. You order something. Well, do you want it this way, this way, or this way? (laughs) This weekend, because I'm part of the discipleship ministries on the district's council, it had to be up or down in Galesburg Friday evening for setup and stuff, and we all went out to eat together, and I sat by somebody on the council who, when they gave their order, took five minutes because they said, well, can you do this and then do this? Is it possible to make that and not this? Is it possible to get this without that? And, I mean, you know, I was like, man, I'm dying over here. You know, I can't even order. But you know what? Our server said yes to all of those things. Because her thing was, you can have it your way. Now, salvation your way simply means following Christ. It's not a custom deal, and yet it is because it's a personal experience. But we must give up and sacrifice our personal preferences, not the message, not the gospel, not our experience, but we give up our personal preferences to pass it on. Giving up your preferences means being able to live out what Christ desires and what will reach the unreached. It's not what I prefer, but what will reach them. I'm really tempted to go through some specifics right now. Just trying to decide whether I'm ready to end my ministry here or not. (laughs) Giving up our personal preferences. I want it a little louder, a little softer. I want to sit there. What are you doing in my seat? 
And one of the things this week that blessed me during the Ignite services is some of you sat where you've never sat before. For whatever reason, now the problem with that is you messed me up big time. I thought you weren't here. Those are minor. But to give up my personal preferences to reach people for Christ. Sometimes that means missing a meal, which I haven't done too often, as you can tell. Sometimes that means staying up later than I intended or getting up earlier than I intended to be able to meet with, talk with, share with somebody about who Jesus is. To give up your personal preferences to be able to live out what Christ desires and what will reach the unreached. The first time Jody and I traveled to Kenya, our kids were all still at home. So we didn't have kids who were missionaries at that time. We had a burden for that country. Little did we know we'd have kids and grandkids living there and serving. But one of the things that I remember vividly was preaching at one of the churches. And the only building they had was six or eight poles and ten roof. And they had half-cut logs that they sat on. There were so many people... In the service that morning, I couldn't get under the roof. I had to stand outside of it. It's the first time I've ever gotten sunburned preaching. And they didn't mind a bit that they were sitting on logs, not cushioned chairs. They didn't mind a bit that the only air conditioning was natural. They were just glad to be there. The second church, we, I preached in three churches that morning. The missionary took us to different places the last one we went to, we had to travel a ways and some roads that he claimed were roads that I'm sure those were not roads. But we couldn't get to the church. We got within about a half mile of it and we had to walk the rest of the way. They walked, all of them, from miles away to be there. They didn't mind. They weren't worried about their own preference, but rather what does the Lord want? To serve, to minister, and to share. What are you willing to give up of your own preference to see your family come to faith in Christ? What are you willing to give up of your own preference to see that coworker or neighbor come to faith in Christ? If we're going to pass it on, we can't pass it on just the only way we like it. We've got to pass it on in a way that reaches them. Are we willing to do that? To pass it on also means that you must follow Christ's example of giving and living your life so that others will know Christ. We must follow Christ's example of giving and living our life so that others will know him. Verses 25 and 26 of 1 Corinthians 11 keeps talking about remembering. Do this as often as you drink it, as often as you eat it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. That memory of who he is, it's also the memory of the example that Christ lived in front of us. In other words, we need to live so that others will know Jesus by watching and listening to you. If people just listen to what you say, will they know Jesus? If people just watch how you live, will it point them to Jesus? 
Lord really challenged me in that lately. To live so that others will know Jesus by watching how we live. Let me ask, are you living in a way that points people to Jesus? Is your life reflective of him in such a way that if people are just watching you, it points them to Jesus? At work. At the store. Driving in traffic. Ooh, that one hurts. How about at home? The people you live with. Who are you passing the good news on to? Is there somebody that comes to mind? One of the neat things in our last service this week on the thing with the rope. But just curious, did any of you get nervous watching me try to cut the rope? I know some of you did because as you walked by, you muttered, be careful. (laughs) But one of the things I reminded you of at the end of that service is the good news about rope is it can be used more than once. Because some of you are saying, I got more than one I'm praying for that this rope represents. I said, that's awesome. God can keep reusing that rope a lot of times. Who are you passing the good news on to? Who are you praying for that they would come to faith in Christ? But also, let me ask you, what sacrifices are you making personally? To see others come to Jesus. What sacrifices is the Lord asking you to make? Sometimes it's somebody personal. And sometimes it is giving, praying for somebody you may never meet. It got mentioned more than once. Yesterday in our conventions in the in the large session together and in the breakout session that I was a part of about doing some of these little things and we may never see the results this side of heaven. But as the old song thank you indicates when we get to heaven we may have some people who thank us that we've never met. I thought of that as I heard some of the stories about those working with refugees and Poland and Romania and other places. It's like I'll never meet them probably. But we'll get to worship together in heaven. Because I gave a little and prayed. Are you making sacrifices? So that others come to see Jesus. So maybe the bottom line question is. Are you willing to pass it on? Are you willing to pass on the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Are you willing to pass on the hope to some neighbors and family and friends and co-workers and classmates who are hurting right now? Are you ready to pass it on?
The more important question is, are you willing to pass it on? See, it doesn't take a fancy response. All it takes is to say, here I am, Lord. Use me. Now, some of you say, well, I can pray that easily because he can't use me. Oh, you are so wrong. As long as you can still fog a mirror, that means you're still living because that's the test sometimes. Every once in a while on Sundays, I want to pass a mirror around to some of you. Well, nobody here, but other churches, I'd like them to pass the mirror. If you're still fogging the mirror, God's still got a purpose for you. Oh, it changes over time because physically we can't do some of the things we used to do or mentally we can't do some of the things we used to do or we're just not in those positions, but God still has a purpose. Are you at least willing to hold the rope for someone else? We've been called to distribute and pass on the good news. Who? Will you pass that on to this week? Jesus, thank you for your call on our life. Thank you that you have a purpose for every one of us. And Lord, for the one who came in here this morning thinking that, yeah, I'm here, but there's nothing I can do. May you remind them of your call to all of us and to them in particular. Father, you may, may you remind them that their time of being of use is not over. They can still pray. They can still maybe write a note. They can still encourage someone else. And the list is long of things that we could be doing if we give up our own preferences, if we make personal sacrifice, if we're willing to pass it on. So, Lord, this week, fan into flame what you've already ignited in our hearts. Fan into flame what we are already burdened to do. And, Lord, as we bump into each other in this body of believers, may that flame grow brighter and hotter to reach more and more people. Lord, help us to pass it on, following your example and your call. In Jesus' name, I plead for this to be true. Amen. Amen.